you want to leave people unbelievably confident that if I introduce someone to Helani, she's going to make me look good because her service is top end. Her uh, diligence is like nothing else. Welcome to the Referral Bench Podcast, a weekly podcast for business owners and salespeople growing their business with networking and referrals. I'm Ian Campbell, CEO of Mission Suite. And I'm Phil Pelto, CEO of Firestorm. If you're working on growing your network, we have another great episode coming your way today. So grab your beverage of choice and let's get to this week's interview. This podcast is brought to you by Firestorm. Firestorm is a business-to-business networking organization that organizes events and meetings for business owners and professionals where they can meet, build relationships, and share referrals. Learn more at myfirestorm.com. And this podcast is brought to you by Mission Suite, offering small business owners, salespeople, and sales teams the contact management and sales automation software they need to grow their business at a cost that they can afford. Learn more about Mission Suite at www.themissionsuite.com. Welcome to another episode of the uh, Referral Bench Podcast. We are joined today by Helani Ellis. And uh, Helani, I'm super excited about this. Helani and I met a while back and uh, it totally hit it off. So um, Helani is a well-known business owner behind uh, Exceptional Admins, a boutique specialized placement and training firm. Um, her depth of experience stems from working for over a decade as an administrative professional. Her previous roles were anything but ordinary. It's the uh, dynamic job circumstances that helped Helani build a unique foundation, atypical of traditional administrative roles. Later in her career, Helani transitioned from holding a corporate seat to launching exceptional admins. Uh, The mission and vision of the firm is to support leaders and administrative professionals with their talent needs, whether hiring or training. Today, Helani's journey grants her an edge when she engages with others on the topic of authentic leadership and or administrative greatness. Her understanding of the job's complexities bring a clarity and energy to a trailing and misunderstood field. She believes everyone has unique gifts that support being highly impactful to business goals. Awesome. What a, Thank you guys. That, this is that, that was actually that was very nice to listen to. I'm <laughs> honored that that's about me. Thanks for having me. So what what else can you add to that? Do you tell us uh, tell wow. us a little more? <clears throat> so, uh I'm a mother of two amazing boys. Uh I like to describe myself as type A, but operating as a lowercase a, giving myself a little bit more grace and breathing room because having been type A for so long can quite be quite suffocating. However, don't be fooled. The uppercase A with a lot of plus signs next to it can show up at any given time, especially mm-hmm. when you're an entrepreneur and a leader and you have to pivot uh, tremendously within the entrepreneurial capacity. Uh, originally born in Florida, lived in Los Angeles for many years. My very first job as a true corporate professional was supporting a dynamic uh, personality who had a radio show, a television show, many books, uh, very influential during that time in the late 90s. So yes, I'm aging myself. I'm 41. (laughs) Happy to admit that. I love getting older. It helps me uh, be more wise about life. Um, And so I'm now a founder mastermind behind a really great brand that I'm very, very proud of. I have a podcast myself. Uh, I have 80 placements under my belt in about three years as it relates to being a specialized headhunter initially, which was the first platform of now a three-part business, exceptional admins. And then attached to that, I've added facilitating and training because in the administrative profession, (laughs) 
there's so much need for the the ability to be more uh, and break through certain ceilings that may be put upon you with the bias that comes with being an administrative individual. And then most recently this year, which I'd been planning in 2019, and it turned out this year to be a great soft launch. However, it's uh, definitely growing in popularity, a remote exceptional admin platform, which is a healthy disruption to the virtual assistant space, mm-hmm. because it matches local admin who are more strategic in their thinking versus tactical with local leaders. So nice. yeah, I'm, I'm up to a lot of different things here uh, at exceptional admins and very proud and energized by all of it. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, I didn't know about that last part of your business, and that sounds really cool. I actually uh, used to work with um, somebody in uh, when I was living in Florida, um, mm. and that was uh, that was a really great experience until the company went bust. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, that's we a might bummer. Have to talk about that more. Yeah, remote exceptional admins. That'd be great. And I know, especially for the leaders, you know, and one of the things we might cover is with referral business becomes more business. And then how do we sort of you know, divide ourselves and conquer. And that is with an administrative person. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So go back to the beginning when you decided to go off on your own and start your business. Um, Talk a little bit more about that and, you know, what brought you to that decision and how did it go and um, why did you do it? It's a really fun story. So I'm glad we're starting here. Uh, as an administrative individual, when you're really passionate about all the responsibilities that are called upon you within this role outside of kind of this secretarial box, right? Just calendar, just expense report, travel booking, and and that's about it. You essentially wind up standing out when you can do so much more. I was in a phenomenal executive and personal assistant role here in the Denver area for four years. After I departed being at home for eight years, raising my kids, doing the hardest job ever, love it. Uh, I was ready to be back into a corporate setting. And in that role, because my style and expertise and business acumen and executive composure was very opposite than anything than anything here in the Denver area, I started to draw the attention of the leaders I was interacting with. It was very exciting when they stopped calling my executive and started calling me first. It really spoke to the fact that they knew I had a pulse on everything going on. I could make very healthy and rapid decisions that would be complementary to the objective, whether it was a trouble or um, the planning of something in that particular role. And I had a fabulous relationship with my executive, which for so many leaders out there, whether you're an entrepreneur and you're a solopreneur, you want that strategic partnership, someone who can essentially anticipate your thoughts and your needs. I was very much that for my executive. And people started to notice the cadence in our relationship. I He would ask me for advice, uh, which is great when you can have that kind of control, or as we like to describe it, managing up component of your relationship with your executive. And those executives that were interacting with me and and about half a dozen or maybe about a dozen that were routine uh, interactions, stakeholders from the outside. Uh, One in particular said, she absolutely gets this role. Like I need to have me a Hilani. And so he asked if I would assist him in his own search for his own EA because he needed to uh, open the revolving door and kindly send off the one that was there and bring someone new in. And it's very different than the way I operate now. It was very um, loosey-goosey, if you will, because I didn't quite grasp the need for such um, intellectual property, believe it or not, with what you need to be doing in the talent acquisition space. So I helped that executive and he loved it. And what he loved was not the talent part search, 
but the education that came with, this is how you can be a better leader with an assistant. This is how I need you, executive X, to recognize uh, your shortcomings, your blind spots, all of those things that could be a, a, considered coaching for a leader. If we've watched Billions, the Wendy Rhodes, right? For a leader, getting them to recognize where they're not good and this person should pick up that slack. So he started making some soft introductions into 15 and into 16. And in the summer of 16, I was like, this is another introduction. What's going on out there? And at the time I called it recruiting, but it's just unfortunately a potty word. So you can't use that word because it's so not human. Uh, talent acquisition, human capital activities. So uh, I was like, what's going on? There's a lot of interest in someone like me bringing forward my knowledge of this role, being in Los Angeles in the entertainment industry, now in private equity. I was like, there's a higher calling. And I had a really wonderful conversation with my executive that summer and I give him credit still today. He named the company for me. He's like, you got to call it exceptional admins. That's what you are. And, and there's got to be others like you. Plus the abbreviation is EA for executive assistant. So he loves it when I give him credit. So that's for him. Uh, so fast forward, I had my first agreement in December of 2016. And that introduction to that client was unbelievably at the very top, top shelf, you know, the shelf you can't drink from when you turn 21 mm -hmm. and you start kind of at that bottom. And I was like, how do you start at the top like this? Very influential in the Denver community, like the most unbelievable first client I ever thought. I was like, well, maybe that's it. I'll just do this one and I'll never do anything again. Yeah. Uh, and sure enough, uh, I helped him. I had started designing a business plan. It, uh, I made a declaration that I would do 16 placements that first year while I was still working part-time the first six months of the year. I finally left uh, the corporate world and entered full-time entrepreneurship again that June of 2017. So I declared six placements was going to be a great start. I did 15. 15, more than double what I projected. And I really hit the ground running, recognizing and knowing that there's a problem. And for all those listener, those that are listening, what problem do you solve? What is your business and what is the differentiator that allows those that interact with you that you're not like anyone else? You can kind of sit in the same pool of other people doing similar business activities, but what is your niche? And this is a large thing that's come up in the last three years. I can speak to what I do and immediately there's a, I don't know anyone that does that. And that's something that has continued to give me the edge on top of the passion and energy that I bring when I get to talk about the work and the mission of the company. You need to be able to have those things in the forefront to create a sense of interest. A really great quote by Dale Carnegie was, if you want to be interesting, you need to be interested in what you're doing. So that's really huge. And so fast forward, really amazing year in 2018, the second year, the full year running the company full time. I did 19 placements, which was just such an honor. Uh, last year, be it 2019, I did 31 placements, which was just so exceptional. Uh, as we continue to work towards um, closing out the year 2020, I am excited to still be in the teens. I believe I'll have 16 placements completed 
by the end of this year. And just even one or two was going to be an honor considering everything that everyone is experiencing. So I'm very grateful that um, it's still been a great year. And a lot of it has to do with the relationships. A lot of that has to do with hitting the ground running. So I look forward to sharing some ideas with your listeners. So yeah, talk about that a little bit, because, you know, you obviously um, have a knack for building relationships with people and, you know, the whole building rapport and bonding. And um, I think that's something that, you know, is just part of you. But did you have a plan going into this about how you're going to cultivate these relationships and how you're going to, you know, get introductions into not only the the people, um, you know, the executives that are, you know, looking for uh, the admins, but also for the admins, because I think this seems like a very relationship driven business. And you don't want to just willy nilly, you know, post an ad and be like, Oh, here's this person I don't know anything about, but seems like they'd be okay fit. You know, I don't remember where I read it once, but it stuck with me a lot throughout the years, even when I was working essentially in the beginning part of my career, you need to work in an area in which you can become an expert at before you go out on your own. Uh, I believe it was because I was exploring maybe becoming a, a flo- an owner of a florist shop. And I was like, well, how do you do that? I've never, I would do flowers on the sides for my girlfriends for their weddings, for their baby showers. And it was a hobby. And I was like, I love this hobby. How can I make it a business? And I distinctly remembering in a leadership book that you had that. And I thought, okay, and it stuck with me through the years. And when I've done business development, which to your point, thanks for acknowledging, business growth is based on relationships. It's based on connectivity and branding, right? We recognize Nike, just do it. You connect to that three-word sentence, just do it. And if you can create that connectivity to what your mission is, you essentially have growth. So you need to have experience within the field in which you want to launch your own brand, your own business. I had a wonderful interaction with a professional who was still trying to find his voice on this business model that he had brought himself into. I said, but do you love this product? He's like, I don't know if I do. I said, unfortunately, I can feel it. And he's like, yeah, I'm trying to cover it up. I'm like, well, that overcompensating might actually be making it worse. And and we had a really beautiful conversation that stemmed from that. I'm just kind of finding authentic connectivity to something you're supposed to be in love with. And that can develop over time. Um, So for the sake of relationships, for the sake of, you know, thinking about growth and thinking about candidates, uh, one of the biggest differentiators with me and a regular recruiter, which I prefer specialized headhunter, I speak admin. These recruiters have not sat in the seat and had a 4 a.m. phone call while your executives in London and it's almost dinner time to deal with a very tiny minor issue. The yeah. fact that I can speak that language, connect with them because it's a very isolated uh, profession being an administrative individual, I'm able to make a sense of secure environment during every candidate call that they wind up loving what the company's doing, which just happens to be me. The candidates wind up sometimes sending me clients because an executive will say, hey, Sarah, you're so good. Do you have anyone that's like you that you know that wants to be an assistant? And nine out of 10 times, they'll say no. And you need to know this woman, Helani, instead, which is such an honor from the candidate side. Sometimes when my candidates uh, and I'm honored to place them, they're like, Helani, you've worked so hard to get me this far. How can I repay you? I said, look really freaking good on the job. (laughs) So that any other leaders that interact with you say, where can I get me one of those? And then my name gets to come up. From the client side, 
You know, I, I do believe I had a bit of a fast forward than someone who's fresh, you know, out the gate launching their own business. I had had a reputation with many top leaders in the community because of how I brought myself forward in my EA role. Um, when they heard that I was departing my role to go launch this company, there was already a momentum behind me, which was excellent. They were very excited to refer me and recommend me to other people. These executives wind up talking. Mm-hmm. They wind up talking and they wind up like at lunch, you know, hey, my assistant's not working out. Oh my gosh, my next appointment is backed up to this. I got to They hear these struggles, right? And they're all pain points. Then I come up. I did not have other than I'm very extroverted and very interested in having connectivity with people. I was comfortable signing up for almost any event Uh, whether it was business related or a panel discussion where you could show up before, linger after, really getting in the room with certain people. But I do believe it was my network in advance of launching my company that was the wind in my sails to get me to move forward. Mm -hmm. Um, As well as the reputation started happening. A lot of my clients were new leaders who had never had an assistant before, which is my favorite kind of client. And when they started saying, talk to my assistant, organically, my God, Ryan, you've never had an assistant before. Where'd you find her? And boom, I get mentioned. It's very exciting, um, but you have to absolutely know what you're doing. You have to absolutely be connected to the mission and vision. And that's hard for people. They just want to make the sale. And listen, I get that revenue is amazing. And that's one of the biggest things is Patience is exceptionally powerful, even though it feels like a, a vulnerable area to play in. It's extremely powerful. <clears throat> so you mentioned, you know, you bring up an interesting thing in, in authenticity, right? Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. And obviously, you know, when it comes to doing business anywhere, authenticity is, authenticity is really important. Um, one of the things that we've talked to a number of people about is kind of their referral system, right? The referral generating system. Wondering if you have, uh, first of all, do you have a system in place that you kind of leverage for that? And then if you and 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 then also if when you go into a systemized process systematized process like that how do you show up authentically so that uh, so that not only are you going to get the business in front of you but also that they're going to remember you and be like you know what she was she may not have always told me what i wanted to hear but she was real with me and, you know, and I was able to learn something or whatever, right? I mean, so how do you, you know, so I guess that's, that's kind of a two-part question. First of all, do you have that system in place? And then second of all, like, uh, how, do you, how do you bring authenticity into the, that kind of a systematized process? So it's really great. I'm going to go second part and then go to the system part. Um, you said a word, trust. And I... <clears throat> I have a small story and then I'll, it'll segue really nicely. <laughs> we love stories. <laughs> I know they're so great. So I was invited to coffee with an individual in February of 20, uh, 2020. And there was a lot of sales uh, layers within his email to meet with me. I had a light week and I went for it for this reason, which is going to be connected to the referral answer. Every touch point, executive entrepreneurs and solopreneurs should absolutely be taking, regardless if they believe that they're their direct sales 
potential. You have no idea who they know. You have no idea where they're spending time. And I've got a funny story for that in a minute. But when we want to build trust, and so I, 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 the trust, unfortunately, wasn't concrete even in the email communication because there was a lot of sales language, which you want to try to avoid. You don't want to come off selling. You want to be a storyteller. You want to be a magnetic energy to give people a sense of that further leaning in of, what else does she have to or he have to say? So this coffee date, uh, I showed up already with very low expectations just because of how this person showed up in email. Very salesy, blah, blah, blah. Well, we're wrapping it up. And I said, you know, thank you for sharing all this information. I'll consider, think, it was, will you come, you know, sponsor our event? I said, uh, is there, are there any clothing, closing, closing thoughts? He's like, I really want you to like me. And I really want to make sure that you want to advertise with us because it means so much. I said, well, I, I need to give you feedback. That was not actually a closing comment to close me. Um, it actually makes me unsure of this relationship, which is what advertising is. I'm connecting myself to what you're doing. Ultimately, at the end of the day, I'm not in it for the sales. I'm in it for additional exposure to your audience. I'm concerned now. So that's trust. And so with relationships and trust, I took that coffee date probably now to be able to share this story, but I took that coffee date going, you never know where it's going to go. You never know what conversation is going to stem from that. I genuinely believe, although we're doing this virtually, I would have loved to have been together, but the energy that you exude when you're talking about something that you're doing all day that has no sort of cash or sales connected to it People genuinely want to know more. I mean, we thrive off of entertainment and engagement and connectivity. If I were to say here, you know, guys, I've got a really great business and I happen to do talent and it's just so fun and you guys should work with me. It's very different than all of this extra layer and, and positivity and um, knowledge that people don't naturally have that they have to go out and seek and woo, here's the resource. So being able to speak to the voice of what your brand is, is essentially where that trust, that authenticity is very natural. Now, from the systematic standpoint, if I didn't have that authenticity, if I didn't have that desire and hunger for what I'm doing that changes the lives of the people I interact with, there wouldn't be a referral system. For me, I'm so honored that 98% of the business is referral-based. I think once or twice in the three and a half years, I've actually gotten someone to email me through the uh, contact form on my website. My website is traditionally built for the candidates, for them to fall in love with the company's doing, get very energized before they're even on the phone with me so that they have a different sense of engagement. For me, me, myself, these types of interactions is where my business generation comes from where um, you guys, I mean, Philip, I met you in 2017 and we're still sort of soft interacting, great conversation. It was over coffee. You want to leave a lasting impression with someone to this point. I had an introduction over a week ago from a man I've never met who has um, heard about me from others in the community and has referred me to a prospective client. That is gold. The fact that they're comfortable, this is the closing thought to your question. You want to leave people unbelievably confident that if I introduce someone to Helani, she's going to make me look good because her service is top end. Her uh, diligence is like nothing else. I love what Helani just said there. She said, leave people unbelievably confident that if I introduce someone to Helani, she's going to make me look good. 
I think that's so important that you conduct your business and conduct yourself in a way that leaves other people no doubt that you're going to do a killer job. And when you're thinking about asking people for referrals, you have to think about, you know, from their perspective, you know, is they're putting their neck on the line by making that introduction to you, connecting you with their client or their friend or their, uh, you know, partner. Um, You know, do they think that they will wind up looking good by making that introduction? And the answer to that has to be uh, unequivocal. Yes, absolutely. Uh, this person is going to make me look like a rock star and they're going to be so excited that I made the introduction because that person is going to add value to their business and they're going to be a great person and conduct themselves professionally. So um, keep that in mind when you're thinking about asking for referrals and how to develop those relationships. Make sure that you leave no doubt in the other person's mind that you're going to do a killer job for them and their client and their partners and their referrals. Her uh, diligence is like nothing else. So this is the hard part for certain leaders. They're like, but I got to get the sales going. And again, to the word of patience, in due time, those things will definitely enter your world. And some people might be thinking, well, she's a woman. She has more patience than men. I'll tell you right now, men that can absorb and actually speak to patients are very attractive. (laughs) So if you men listening aren't sure about that, uh, that's coming from my mouth to your ears. (laughs) That is one of my favorite uh, Napoleon Hill quotes is uh, um, about patience, persistence, and perseverance or uh, perspiration. Patience, persistence, Mm. perspiration is an unbeatable combination for success. Love it. Very so, true. Um, so go back, uh, you know, you've been in business for a while now. You're obviously killing it. And what advice would you have given yourself or would you have liked to given yourself when you started your business? You know, what would have helped you get off to a even faster start than you, than you did? <laughs> so at the top, when I was describing myself, I said I was type A. Yeah. And I'm, I'm never going to apologize for that because it makes me even stronger in all the things that I get to touch. I would have liked to have learned my lowercase a, which I also shared in that first year of running this business. For example, I wanted to operate at a very accelerated clip, forgetting that I'm on sort of the clock of my client. And I had experienced in the fourth quarter of the first year, which was the second set of three months of my first uh, year of being an entrepreneur again, running a very exciting company that I knew needed to have an amazing presence in the community for the sake of the referral, for the sake of knowing relationships, bring additional business. And I think I was impatient on more occasions than I probably want to count, maybe half a dozen, where I waited only like a few hours to then respond to the client again and say, did you get my email? And I'm now in hindsight, I'm like, that just is so unattractive. (laughs) And that's just not going to work long-term. And I distinctly remember discussing it with my husband and it was over the Christmas break. My client was like at their house in Jackson Hole. Cellular reception wasn't great where they were at. I was like, why are they not getting back to me? He's like, you got to kind of like slow down a little. And it was really in that moment I said, I don't like the way that this makes me feel. And if I'm going to stay always operating at very high efficiency, this, this weighs me down. And so I really learned that lesson excellent in 2017, uh, 18, and it's carried through case in point. I've got a, a situation right now. And you know, what's really great. 
these clients, they know I work so hard for them. They're like, listen, it's okay if it takes an extra week. We know, you know, the timeline you want to be on, but we want to get it right. And when your client says that, you're in a relationship with your client. You're not just providing a service. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So um, one other question that I thought of as you're you're talking there, and you know, we've been talking about these relationships and really building trust with people and um, you know, I know that you've built a reputation around uh, town of being awesome at what you do. And, and honestly, there, Thank you. I've had probably five occasions to, um, you know, make introductions for you myself. And, and so that, you know, it's just, you're always top of mind for me, but I know you get a lot of your business from that. You said 98% of your business comes from referrals. And I imagine a lot of it is just people coming across an opportunity and saying like, oh, Halani is the, the best at this and you need to talk to her. Are there occasions for you to say there's somebody in the community that you know could use what you do, um, needs a new, uh, you know, admin or, um, and whatever the situation is where you know that there's an opportunity and have you, and are you comfortable asking for an introduction to that person specifically, like going to one of your existing clients or maybe somebody else that you know in the community and say, hey, can you introduce me to this person? Because um, And the reason I ask is I think um, one of the things that we have talked about with some other guests and has come up is, you know, that for some people is a challenging ask and it's uncomfortable. So mm -hmm. um, are you okay with it? And maybe some advice to people that, you know, are having the same issue. Yeah, it's kind of a twofolded answer. And you mentioned the word relationship. So I'll start there and then I'll go to the really cold aspect of, I don't really know what to do, but I'm going to just take that leap, which we want leaders and entrepreneurs to have the strength behind. Um, fortunately, which we've been touching on multiple times here, having the relationship and the trust of so many people, I don't hesitate when Philip can introduce me to Ian. And the reason is, is because as you started with, you want to recommend me and you know that I have got your full, and this is really big in Denver, introductions is essentially business. Mm -hmm. I've, I've only advertised once out of the sake of an exercise. It was a $3,500 exercise I would not do again <laughs> because I knew business wasn't generated from that. Now there's a difference between brand exposure and I won't go down a rabbit hole, but you, Philip, would be interested, again, from all the things that we've been touching on, because my passion is intense and my desire to work hard for the objective is like right there in your face in a great way, that you, Philip, would be open to, and I always actually have this as a liner. I'm coming at you from the lens of an entrepreneur and I'm very interested in meeting Ian and I want to be able to connect with him for the next, for the following two reasons. I respect the time that you need to think about whether or not you want to make this introduction. Thank you. You've given some grace to Philip. You've specified what the two things are. You know Ian well enough that you're like, this makes sense because Ian's going to love and say to Philip, that was the most perfect introduction. Now, I always join an introduction with zero interest in actual business. I want to tell them my story. I want to give them the energy on the phone to where at the end of the call, they'll say, what can I do for you? And then I'll say, well, what can I do for you? I'm finding, which is very attractive. No one wants the sale. It's very attractive 
that they're like, you know what? I just wanted to tell you what I do. And if you happen to, I would be interested in having, you know, your blessing or your strength behind helping me grow my exposure in the community. And so the intro on the, I know someone who knows someone, and that's the power of LinkedIn. I have no uh, concern doing that. Now for the very cold leads, like if I'm looking at the job boards and it's a CEO that I'm like, wow, that job description is really ridiculously ugly. It's not going to get them the right talent. They need my education and help. Um, And bless the hearts of those in HR. You know, they're hiring seven different types of roles on top of all these other things that are responsible for. I have a lot of heartache for them. I'd rather that there be a talent acquisition employee in the company, not just only HR doing all these different things. I will follow them first on LinkedIn and stalk them. And I openly admit stalking for the reason of business, right? You want to know what people are doing. You want to know what they're liking. I have also in the past been known for writing handwritten notes. There's nothing like getting a handwritten note to just say, hey, I loved, uh, especially with here in Denver, I uh, have the Denver Business Journal. I'll write a handwritten note to a leader congratulating them for an announcement. I'll watch a panel that someone I'm stalking, like, what are they saying? What are they doing? I've actually gotten one client from doing that, reaching out to them and saying, I think it's amazing what you're doing. I think you could go even higher in your business growth if you had an executive assistant. I'd love 30 minutes of your time. And then they're like, okay, you know what? That's quite ballsy. You know, what is she doing? Who does she know? And then if I'm also watching them on LinkedIn, or then I've decided it's time to make that connection. Hey, I love what you're doing. I'd love to support you more. The biggest thing that I've noticed, especially with people who have email distribution lists is give people a place to show up to get quick access to something that interests them. That goes with the storytelling. That goes with knowing your audience. That goes with knowing who your prospective client is. For me, it's all leaders, whether it's a director level, CEO, entrepreneur, solopreneur, a retired executive who's just on 70 boards, owns 12 houses, like the whole thing. That's my profile. So it's a bit broad. Um, And knowing my audience also, knowing kind of what that bandwidth of mentality is for that level of executive ship, if you will. I don't know if that's a word, but I just made it up. Um, So when you think about doing the cold calling, we could use that phrase for emailing and LinkedIn. When you make a connection with someone and you've been stalking them for a while, so you know who they are, have immediately available an article to HBR, to Huffington Post, something that says, in your free time, I believe you would benefit from this article for X and Y. I thought I'd share it with you. You're showing them that you're a resource. Service providers are resources, not service people. We're resources with information that eases, as I said at the very top, the problem. What problem do we solve? And so I've had that philosophy now. for I've had it for a long time, uh, but definitely more prominent now in these years running this company, Exceptional Admins. Yeah. That's awesome. So do you get your, so when, you know, when you and I met, it was in uh, uh, kind of having a conversation about one of the networking organizations that, uh, that I was, that I'm a part of and that you were, you know, looking at, or at least being recruited by somebody. And I, and, you know, so they said, Ian, go, you know, have the conversation kind of a thing. I mean, do you see those types of organizations that have, uh, um, 
Well, first of all, do you see those kinds of those types of organizations beneficial? Never minding the fact that Phil is sitting right next to me. <laughs> I was like, I was waiting for the name drop of Phillips. Yeah, twenty four seven. Exactly. Yeah. Firestorm aside, <laughs> yes. Know, all the other organizations in Denver. Um, but do you see? Do you find those organizations uh, beneficial, and more so the organizations that have that kind of. Uh, membership recruitment for them. You know, I guess what I'm what I'm wondering is for the listeners that are trying to get something up and running or trying to move forward with something, you know, should they be looking at these types of networking organizations that are trying to build numbers, trying to build membership and whatnot as as powerful resources to really find a, a substantial network that can ultimately lead to referrals? It's a really great question. Uh, and there's a lot of meat on the bones for that one. So uh, I'll try to simplify it for sure. And also, you know, when many of your listeners listen into these things, just to pause for a moment, you guys wind up feeling like, oh, so much more work to do. You really have the opportunity to start to cherry pick and prioritize. That's easy out the gate. I'm going to work on that first natural progression is this, whatever this may be. So for the listeners, yeah, these two absolutely want to have an amazing set of episodes for you. And you'll listen to them maybe once or twice, um, but realize that the, the benefit back into you is actually deploying a lot of these suggestions. So to your question, which is really important because it's connected to spending money. Mm -hmm. And certain leaders at the beginning of their businesses, they're in the red. And so how do we have them sort of have a, a bit of healthy red and a bit of a green potential? I have entertained networking groups for the last three years. Uh, the ones that I want to be in have uh, five-figure <laughs> five um, uh, fees annually. Uh, that's where all my clients are. Reason being, I know I can be extremely valuable to them as a member and they could be valuable to me as a member. I, I've, to be fair, I've entertained a few meetings for these types of peer groups. And I often wind up being told at the end, Halani, you could actually run them. We don't think that you might be the right, we might be the right fit for you. You're farther along than our existing members. Um, there's a couple that I've looked at more than once kind of sitting in these different rooms. I want to, this is the biggest tip. Try them out. This is a double dip. Connect with these chairs of these groups on LinkedIn say you're interested in exploring this avenue for both growth and business development. If you attend these meetings, you're telling those 10 or 15 people in that room what you do. You've just touched double that group of people because you know your voice, you speak to your brand, that there is a small opportunity to share your voice, but genuinely be there for the reason of wanting to decide if this is where you should be spending time once a month and plus. When you don't attend those, you don't know if you should be there. So I am of the mindset, take that call. I went to, and this is a story I was going to mention at some point, and now's a great time. I had registered for, a, I think it's Colorado Roundtable. They had an event, which they had like a, a, a radio speaker coming in. I think I paid 50 bucks to attend. And I went with a friend who works for Morgan Stanley. And we both paid food, there was beverage, there were five people there. And they had told me when I registered, I'm like, just curious, you know, how many people will be there? 
uh, I said, I can work a room of five and I can work a room of 60 plus. What, it, what is it? They said, we're looking at 60, five people. There were five people in that room. And I walk in and it's a very industrial, like the 100 blocks of Denver. And I was like, well, this will be interesting. So I go in and there's five people. And I said to my friend, I'm like, I got to separate from you and talk to these others because I already know you. And I'll tell you right now, this is the biggest thing for your listeners. The one man I wound up talking to, he has referred me a ton of business. He has been an extreme ambassador for what I do. And if I didn't stay, I wouldn't have talked to him. So take the opportunity to be in the room, regardless if it's five people or plus, take the opportunity to have those phone calls. And to your question, take the opportunity to entertain. I mean, I'm actually thinking because of uh, the desire for myself to start taking on speaking engagements, I may actually need to start joining one of these groups now to start getting integrated in a national Rolodex of other professionals who may need me. So three years ago, probably not. Now being in 2021, I think it actually fits what I'm doing for the sake of brand exposure. Cool. There's a, one thing that you said at the beginning of that was, um, you know, the, uh, hearing all this information and thinking, oh my gosh, now I have all this stuff to do, which uh, I think is a common thing for entrepreneurs and small business owners. You know, we're all inundated with information that we should be doing. And, you know, we go to these conferences, we listen to podcasts and then there's like, oh my gosh, you know, I only have so much time in the day to implement any of this stuff. But um, one of my favorite quotes is a Cicero quote, and it says, to know and not to do is not to know at all. And so, you, you know, the application of the knowledge is what's really important. So, you know, even if you, some of this stuff that we're talking about, some people might hear it and be like, oh, that's Bush League stuff. You know, we already know that, Phil. Right. Like, <laughs> um, but, you There's know. There's always our, one thing. Yeah. That's it. Exactly. You know, finding that one thing that can, that can be taken away from and actually be implemented, right? Yeah. For sure. Yeah, so. absolutely. You know, our, we've only been given the same seconds, minutes, and hours each day. And that's. The, that right there is the biggest draw to the work that I do. How the heck are you going to double time in an in a day? And it is through having an assistant who knows the way that you work, you know, wants to challenge you with some of your decisions because no, that's not going to be a meeting. It's a conversation or it's an email. Some of these executives I wind up running into, I'm like, what's, what's the struggle? They're like, well, we're having meeting after meeting. I'm like, you need to know the difference between a conversation and a meeting and then where email is applied. Uh, so yeah, th it's definitely really important. That's a great quote, by the way, on you know how you take certain information, apply it to yourself. And, and another thing to add, as an entrepreneur, you are always learning. We are knowledge seekers. Mm. I happen to know of a woman who still tells the same lead in story. Four years later, I was like, you gotta think of new material. <laughs> and that's not a that's not at all to ding her because she can be very interesting. I, you, you gotta, there's a sense of mystery that you want to continue to have. I was studying a lot this weekend uh, on research papers as it relates to etiquette, how that's connected to manners, how that's connected to building relationships and, and, and etiquette is men too, by the way, not just a female and how all of those things really have um, a great potpourri, if you will, for a better end result. And when you're doing research papers and you're, you're taking in information, you have something interesting. Again, as I mentioned a bit ago, you're a resource, mm -hmm. right? You're not just providing a service. You are a resource. So yeah, capitalize on time too. Yeah. Awesome. 
All right. One, one last question before we let you go. Uh, oh, yeah. Any advice to people that are new to business, you know, taking it to the next level, ready to, you know, make some changes and what would you tell our listeners? So you need to create a sense of craving for your mission. And if you are, we'll use CPA as an example. If you are a CPA and I had a call with a really good guy uh, last week and I was like, you're different. You're in the same pool with all these other CPAs, but that edge that you have is attractive for me. So we're going to collaborate on something down the road. And because he knew how to speak to the question, Ian, or comment you made about authenticity, what makes him him? What makes me me and the two of you? You have to sense of have a sense of craving for your mission. If you have trouble showing a sense of energy or the differentiator, you will struggle a little bit with having growth. The second piece of advice is, you know, it's unfortunate, and I view this as unfortunate, I'm using my words correctly. When people ask, well, where do you want to be in three years? The largest and most powerful return is, is I'm in the moment of my business for today. I have ideas, but if I set a goal and I don't reach it, I'm more discouraged than energized. And so really taking a different approach to goals versus ideas. And the way that we use vocabulary and certain words sets us up for more fulfillment. I continue to run into leaders um, who are lost on their own journey because they've got these a bit of out of reach goals. Therefore, they get discouraged. They become too salesy. And I would definitely want your listeners and other leaders to think about that being present and having attainable success milestones to work towards an idea. You know, if we thought in March 1 of 2020, what our idea was for the year, did it not all blow up for everybody? Mm-hmm. And so as, as sad as that is, but as the gift, I believe that 2020 has given us a lot of gifts. If we continue to operate with such high goals, listen, I'm type A, as I said, I got a lot of goals for myself, but I make it as ideas. I create a sense of a freeway of, that I believe I should travel. And then I decide it's not where I'm supposed to go. I get off, right? And I go back on the freeway, which is great for me. So create a craving for your mission, which essentially gets people energy to want to support you, the ambassadorship that you can create to create some healthy ideas around where you want to be. And when someone asks you, what do you want to do in three years? What do you want your revenue to be in three years? Say, you know what? I'm really excited for growth. Growth isn't connected to a number right now. Revenue growth isn't connected to how many, you know, touch points I'm having. Growth is I had an amazing call. That one call could be two people beyond. That was three potential touch points. That was a great day. A lot of people uh, start creating a sense of discouragement when, um, And I know it's a really big thing for guys, right? You got these power goals. MSNBC tells you that revenue is what drives (laughs) and creates, you know, success in business. And then as a closing, if I can add one more, success for me is very different. And I learned this last year in 2019. Success for me is very different. And I believe it saved me this year in 2020. Success for me is very different. I said to my husband at the beginning of this year, if I have the same number or very close to placements, as I did last year, I'm still successful because the phone is still ringing. 
And in the year of a pandemic, the phones still ring, referrals still kept mm-hmm. happening. So when you want growth, 20% growth, super great margins, those are great things to check off the boxes. But if you have a same year, a year after a prior successful year, if the phone is still ringing, you are successful. So that's my closing thought. Awesome. Excellent. Well, it's super fun uh, having you on the podcast. And yeah, thanks, guys. Yeah. yeah, this was awesome. Really appreciate it. Glad we were able to pull it off. I hope that yeah. a lot of people take away from this certain things that give them that deep breath, that give them that energy, and uh, help them continue to be successful. And uh, one last thing, if people want to find you, where where do they find you? Pretty active on LinkedIn. Definitely shoot to find me there. I have a website, exceptionaladmins.com. There's a clients tab, which has a wealth, but easy to digest, a sense of information so that you can quickly, you know, find the area in which uh, you might have answers. I take calls often from leaders that don't even know what an executive assistant partnership looks like. And so if that's something that interests you, use the contact form, reach out to me, and I look forward to connecting with anyone that wants to call. Awesome. Thanks so much. Have a great rest of the week. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Cheers. All right. Bye.